you know, I'm Jason Tebow, the executive director of the Streaming Video Alliance, and uh, this is our second episode of Beyond the TV podcast, where we explore some of the technologies uh, that are having relevancy on the streaming industry and changing the way that uh, that streaming providers, you know, build their technology stacks and offer their services to consumers and, and all that jazz. And a lot of that stuff obviously has uh, applicability to what we're doing in the Streaming Video Alliance. So in this really cool episode, uh, we're going to talk about HESP. So um, I'll let you guys, uh, you know, kind of describe what HESP is and stuff. But um, for now, I just want to let everybody know that we have two guest speakers. Uh, we have Bart from Theo Player and we have uh, Sammy from Cinemedia. And they're going to talk about, you know, those those are the two companies that came together to form uh, the HESP Alliance and, and build the HESP protocol. And so we're going to chat about kind of what HESP is. I've, I've had a lot of people ask about it. I was telling uh, Bart before we started that um, uh, that I've had conversations with members uh, and they're like, hey, great, another protocol. Oh, no. Uh, but then they dug into it and they were surprised, you know, pleasantly surprised that HESP really offered some cool features uh, that would really be interesting to, you know, again, to streaming platform providers and, and folks that are trying to get streaming video out. So I thought this would be a great podcast. Let's get you guys on. Let's talk about this protocol and, you know, let's really dig into the details. So um, before we kick off, I I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves so people kind of know just who you are. So um, maybe uh, Bart, we'll start with you and then uh, and then Sammy and then we'll we'll jump into the questions. Sounds good, Jason. And sure, I can start. Um, so uh, Bart, uh, Bart van Oosterhout. Uh, in Tio, I'm responsible for the uh, HSP go-to-market. Um, and I all, that's my first hat. Second hat is that I also take up uh, the chair of the, um, the External Communications Working Group uh, within the HSP Alliance, so the working group which is responsible for uh, the marketing activities. Great, Sammy. I'm uh, Sami Behet. I'm a distinguished architect working at Cinemedia into the video network business unit. I have about 25 years of background in uh, video compression and delivery of uh, compressed video. Um, and I'm also uh, a director of the IGSP Alliance representing Cinemedia. Very cool. Yeah, so obviously we have two great people to be talking about this protocol. So, um, okay, let's let's start at the absolute basics. Um, what is HESP, right? You know, how does it differ from HLS and, and, and DASH? Is it a protocol, you know, RTMP, WebRTC, HTTP, or is it a format? You know, just like, let's get the basics out there. What What is it? Sure, I, I can take that question, Jason. Um, so I think um, it, it's a format like an, an HLS or a DASH. Uh, so it's an, an HTTP adaptive streaming technique. Um, it shares a number of uh, common features with HLS and DASH. It also has a number of advantages over HLS and DASH. It's quite generic, I realize. <laughs> Maybe dive into some of that. Um, so in terms of features in common, I think there's, there's two important ones to mention. Um, is first of all, the use of standard CDNs. Uh, so HSP uses the uh, HTTP 1.1 protocol for file delivery. It uh, means it can be used over standard CDNs, just like an HLS and a DASH, uh, by the way. Um, and it, it allows for highly scalable and a cost-effective way of delivery. Um, that's the first feature in common. I think and the second feature in common um, is the uh, the adaptive bitrate switching capabilities. Um, meaning a client can decide to switch to a higher or lower quality depending on the network conditions. Um, so I think those, those are the, the main characteristics in common. 
um, when then um, looking into some of the, the advantages over um, uh, of HSP over an HLS or a DASH, I think uh, that's also two to mention. Um, is that the, the low life latency or class to class latency that HSP can offer? Um, you, if you look at how streaming protocols these days are classified, it's typically based on, on latency. Uh, so standard latency, 10 to 30 seconds, for example, reduced latency, 5 to 10 seconds, uh, low latency, 1 to 5 seconds, and then there's the category sub-second latency. Um, based on our experience, uh, low latency dash, low latency HLS, they, they're in the category low latency, so they offer 1 to 5 seconds of latency. Low latency dash somewhat uh, lower latencies than, than a low latency HLS. Um, well, HSP can bring sub-second latency. Um, and uh, that's specifically very interesting, of course, for uh, streaming of live events to avoid spoiler effects, uh, for example, um, but also for, uh, for virtual events. And with virtual events, I mean like virtual conferences, online fairs, um, uh, everything which has been, been booming in 2020 uh, and, and which requires interactivity and, and sub-second latency is very relevant there. So, I think that's the first important advantage is that the sub-second latency that HSP brings. Um, second advantage, or maybe in general, I think yeah, it, uh, it brings more advantages. Uh, so it's not, if you look at the current classifications, only based on latency, really see how HSP brings high efficiency streaming because it also brings additional benefits. And, and the, the, the most important benefit is the, the fast sapping. Um, fast setting, I mean um, fast channel change or startup time. And, and what we see with, um, with an HLS or a DASH is that there's always a trade-off to be made um, between um, starting up right away at the correct life uh, and uh, the life latency, that, that trade-off is there. Um, what we're saying with, uh, with HSP, there's no such a trade-off anymore. There's no tight coupling anymore between the life latency and the, and the startup latency. Then that that's very interesting for operators, because uh, they, they at the moment they have uh, very often like an IPTV workflow and OTT workflow. They're increasingly looking into okay, can we not converge to to one OTT workflow? And what's holding them back is uh, is latency on the one hand, but even more importantly, the zapping times, because um, those currently can be uh, one to two seconds, sometimes even more. To really get that lean back TV experience, you have to make sure that you can bring them in line with broadcast. And that's exactly what, what HSP can do. Um, to, make, to wrap up the answer, uh, you could wonder, like, uh, I realize it's a long, long answer already. <laughs> um, but to, to wrap up, you might wonder, like, is it is really such a big thing, the zapping times? And you have to realize that uh, yeah, there's already uh, solutions out there uh, there's this ways of dealing with that at the moment um, you have um, additional tuners and, and setup boxes which are used to anticipate channel changes um, there's servers sites software solutions to uh, to speed up the channel change time so what we're saying with HSP those those other solutions are not uh, are not needed anymore um, it's intrinsically embedded into HSP. No, I mean, and that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about uh, a little bit before uh, before Sammy jumped on. You know, there, there's, you know, there's definitely need for 
you know, some of those features, right? I think, I think coming from my perspective and sort of the member's perspective is a little concerning. Not concerning is not the right word. It's just a little like, okay, so how does this fit into my mix, right? Do, you know, does, does HSP work in conjunction with what I'm using now? Or is it, you know, do I have to rip and replace stuff in order to take advantage of, uh, you know, of this protocol. And I get that, I get the, I, like, I understand. So it's, it's really sort of HTTP adaptive, you know, um, solution. So it's using and going over standard sort of HTTP connections, which is fantastic. Um, you know, so it's not like WebRTC, like WebRTC does the same, you know, has the same claims, right? Super ultra low latency, but it, it requires a retooling of things uh, in order to really use. You can't just roll your existing stuff into it, right? That's just not going to work. So, so that's kind of my question about this is like, you know, how, how does if I was a streaming platform provider and I said, I want to use this, this is great. The channel zapping, huge problem. I have a thousand linear channels. I want people to be able to just do, 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 just like TV, just like traditional broadcast. Um, you know, does it require the streaming providers to kind of rip out what they've done and retool their workflows or can they use it in conjunction with other stuff? You know what? What you like? Help, help me understand that. Yeah, let me take that one. Uh, so deployment of HESP is certainly not a rip and replacement operation. Uh, streaming providers can use HESP in conjunction with their existing ABR formats and use their existing uh, uh, workflows, continue to use their existing workflows. Actually, the HESP workflow is not that much different from a low latency dash or HLS workflow in the sense that it consists of a video slash audio encoder, a packager, an origin server, a CDN, and a player. But of course, the packager and the player must support the HESP protocol, which can be achieved via a simple uh, software upgrade. Um, in the HSP specification, we have even defined a compatibility profile, which allows to package and encrypt segments once and deliver these via HSP, HLS, and Dash. Okay, I mean, and that makes that makes a lot clearer. I like that a lot. And I'm sure, you know, streaming providers are probably thinking the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, uh, we've got to, and I'm going to ask you guys a question about that in a second. Uh, but that that's great. The idea of ripping and replacing obviously freaks people out. So you know, being able to use this protocol in conjunction. So, so let me back, let me go upstream a little bit, right? So, you know, you guys have mentioned that, you know, again, sort of adaptive, uh, adaptive bitrate can use, like what Sammy just said, can use existing ABR stuff. So does that mean that there's no sort of change in encoding that's needed either? You can still just encode, you know, as you were encoding with, you know, sort of, you know, the same methodology, the same process, everything like that, or does, uh, does HESP require some changes to either the segmentation or the packaging or all, you know, that stuff? Yeah, so basically you can reuse the same encoders. Um, there are some little caveats there, let me explain. So HESP is actually a delivery protocol on top of the well-known video codecs such as H.264, H.265. So you can indeed reuse existing ABR uh, video encoders. HESP does make use of segmentation, and with segmentation, I mean uh, small uh, segments of video or audio content that are generated by the encoder and that are individually decodable by the client. Again, very similar to uh, HLS and Dash, for example. Because of the way the playback starts with HESP, however, the segment duration with HESP can be a lot higher than what is typically used with HLS and Dash. In theory, you could even use a single segment of infinite duration, but this would not work well with uh, CDN caching, of course. So that's why uh, you're still limited in the uh, inside of, of the segments. Uh -huh. What is special uh, about HESP, however, from an encoder perspective, is that next to the regular video segments that a typical ABR encoder uh, generates, um, 
The view encoder with HESP must also create a continuous set of IDR frame files that can be individually retrieved by the player. So with HESP, we have uh, two streams that have to be created. So a so-called initialization stream that contains only IDR frames and a regular stream that we call the continuation stream. So at startup of a channel or when zapping to another channel, the player starts retrieving the last available IDR frame from the initialization stream. And that IDR frame contains all the information that is needed uh, by the player to start playback. And it also contains a pointer to a certain location in a regular segment, so a, a regular segment of the continuation stream, from which playback can continue once this IDR frame has been decoded. Since at all times uh, one of these IDR frames is available that is representing the live edge of the live channel, the client can at all times start playback at the correct uh, live latency. Um, these separate IDR frames uh, also allow the client to switch from uh, one video profile to another and at any moment in time. So it means the client doesn't have to wait until the start of the next segment is available. In other words, in addition to fast uh, zapping or startup time, HESP also allows the client to switch much quicker to a lower bitrate in case of networking conditions get worse. So HESP also further improves ABR switching capabilities compared to DASH or HLS, for example. Okay, I mean, I, that, that makes a lot. So now, but the, the million dollar question, because you, you mentioned it a few times, the client. Um, do, do you need to deploy a modified client in order to, you know, render, um, you know, content delivered in HSP? So, and I, and I think the answer is yes, because you do have these sort of two streams, which is really cool. Don't get me wrong. I really love that concept, but I'm just wondering, you know, it, is it, can, can a streaming provider just bolt in some different player logic or do they have to replace the client in order to be able to, you know, resolve these two streams and deal with the new protocol? Um, so uh, the answer is you can use existing players. So uh, there's no special video codecs used. Um, there's also a standard uh, file format, uh, we, we use CMF. Um, the only thing you need is that uh, you need a player that, that understands the HSP streaming protocol um, and uh, that, that's the uh, so there's a software upgrade which needs to happen um, and that software upgrades uh, it would be similar to what um, what's required for a low latency hls or low latency dash for example so many player vendors they are currently implementing that uh, low latency dash related chs uh, an hsp trajectory would be would be similar in efforts Okay, so well, so so, but with that said, um, you know, obviously there's there's a major, we'll call it a major upgrade for you know player technology to be able to manage with the uh, the low latency HLS and low latency Dash. Um, if if I'm going to use Hasp and let's say I've got to use them in conjunction, right? So my workflow is already again already bifurcated because I, I'm supporting multiple containers, packages, and and protocols to deal with all the different players uh, that are out there. Can I can I upgrade my player to be able to be compatible with with HESP um, with an SDK with a bit of code or or is it more fundamental to the player that I need to replace the whole player kernel? So it's um, it's it's not a full player kernel which has to be changed. Um, so if you look at what we're doing at TO Player, for example, um, TO Player um, we we already have low latency dashboards. We were one of the early adopters of a, of a low latency HLS. 
when I also implementing um, an HSP. So all, all those different formats will be will be supported by one player. Um, and it's it's just getting that extra functionality in your player to be able to understand the HSP protocol. Okay, that, that makes total sense. I'm going to do something totally nerdy. I'm going to do my Mr. Sinister clap from, he's a Marvel villain. <laughs> like that. He claps when he clones people. So um, that's really cool. Like the idea that you don't have to, again, total upheaval um, is bad. Um, and so this, this, what you just described greatly facilitates a uh, streaming provider being able to adopt this, mm-hmm. uh, especially, again, especially for live linear uh, stuff, you know, multi-channel switching and things like that. So that that's fantastic. Okay, so now I'm going to ask the, $10 million question. That was the million dollar question. This is the $10 million. We're going to win a lot of money today. Yes. Um, so, so why now? Right. So obviously the, the, the technology landscape for streaming, super fragmented. Um, we know that. And in some places it's not as much, but things like codecs and, you know, encoding and decoding and, and, and all that and protocols is very fragmented. So why now? Right. Does does HESP complicate this even further or can it even help um, simplify things? Um, so by now, yeah, obviously part of it is related to, to development. <laughs> we started the uh, development of HSP uh, some time ago and I guess yeah, the go-to-market starts when, when something is ready for it. Um, but I do think that uh, the, the momentum is good. Um, uh, and the reason for that is that yeah, we actually see that uh, a world is moving away from, from a legacy way of delivering. Um, um, yeah, they, yeah, they're moving away from broadcast cable satellite channels. They're moving to an all IP delivery via ABR streaming. And when making that move, you have to be sure that the user experience that you get is the same or preferably better than what you had before. Um, and that's the reason why why we introduced HSP into, in addition to what's already out there on the market. Um, is that we see a number of additional benefits that HSP brings, brings that are not there at the moment and that are that are needed to uh, to have that better user experience. Um, and then what am I talking then about? Yeah, that's the, the subsequent latency, but also the fast stepping, which is uh, which is uh, important and which will really allow for that that transformation also for uh, for OTT operate, for operators to move that uh, to move to that converged OTT workflow. Um, another reason why I think uh, the momentum is good um, is that um, HSP can, as we see it, really be a game changer for virtual events. I mentioned that they've been booming in 2020 um, and, and the expectations those that, yeah, that's all that will definitely stay. Um, we see HSP also as a cost-efficient alternative uh, to, to a WebRTC for these virtual events. Um, the reason for it is that yes, WebRTC uh, they advertise latencies sub seconds, sometimes even four or five hundred milliseconds. Um, but uh, it also has a number of disadvantages, um, and, and the most important one is that the cost of scaling typically scales through spinning up server instances um, instead of CDNs. <laughs> so we see uh, we see HSP actually as a, as a cost efficient alternative there and making it possible to uh, to um, yes, uh, cost efficiently scale to to hundreds of thousands or maybe even hundreds of thousands of viewers. 
Yeah, that, that was a big, that's a big R, uh, WebRTC issue, right, is, uh, is scalability. So I'm, I'm a co-founder of DataZoom. Um, back in the day when we first started that, we actually put an architecture together uh, based on WebRTC and, and, and WebSockets. Um, and so the idea was like, let's use this protocol like in order to get things from a point a to point b in super fast and the idea was like deliver your data quicker so you can use it faster um but we ran into the scalability problem yeah. right and, and that's the issue is that if you want to scale it's like okay i've hit my threshold for this instance because everything's virtualized everything was you know managed in in containers and kubernetes and it was like okay i hit my threshold i have two hundred thousand like connections to this server I need to spin up another one and yeah. then I need to spin up another one and then I need to spin and up another, another one. one. Yes. <laughs> and, and it, it, it's to be honest, it, it just, you know, it didn't work. And it, you know, I've since, uh, you know, sort of I'm in an advisory role to, to that company now, but they've gone a different direction. That's more scalable because you're exactly right. That is a, a fundamental problem with some of the sub second delivery methods is, you know, is scalability. And so that's, that's, you know, I'm the first one to say, like, I, there is no one size fits all right now, right? There, there's no one solution. Look, I, I can do everything that that traditional TV can do in streaming with this one thing, this protocol, this codec, this package. We, we know that doesn't work, right? And, and we're still transitioning, right? Because, like, what you pointed out, one of the cool features of HESP is the channel zapping, hmm. right? Think about think about these OTT services like Pluto, you know, that came out with the whole concept of like, let's replicate what people are used to and give it to them for free. Ad supported TV, you watch commercials. Hmm. And, but, but channel zapping is an issue, right? So now you're, you know, as a consumer, you're, you're hitting the sort of next channel and you're kind of waiting like, um, oh, the channel showed up. Yay. You know, so that, that's, that's an awful experience. That's not what people want. They want to be able to say like, I just want it to work like I'm used to watching. I don't want it. I don't want to think about, am I streaming or am I watching from the cable? Like, I don't even want to think that I'm just watching video and look, it works how I want it to, which is I press channel up, channel down and the channel changes and the video shows immediately. So, so I totally get like the value proposition for Hasp is, is, you know, fundamentally you're solving some still lingering issues with the transition from traditional TV to a streaming environment. And, I, and, and, you know, obviously that, you know, that speaks for itself. So, you know, I, I guess it was kind of a, you know, kind of like a trick question to ask if, you know, why now? Why now is because, you know, we're still not, we still haven't solved all the issues. HESP is another way to solve some of these issues. Um, and again, maybe these do all converge at some point in the future, or maybe somebody creates some cool, you know, kind of protocol harness that is able to mesh them all together and you can get sort of, you know, again, simplified workflow. But um, but I understand, you know, the need uh, right now. So let, let, let me I want to dive back into something that Sammy had talked about before, <laughs> um, which is encoding. Uh, so I'm, I'm one of the things I, I obviously I went to the Hess website and I was looking around and, and just poking through things. And one of the things I saw was this uh, was kind of like a claim that, you, that, that the Hess website made it was a 20% reduction in bandwidth. And I went, Oh, like, that's really cool. So, so Sammy, <laughs> I, I'm curious because you said that there's really, you know, some minor changes to, you know, encoding. Are those minor changes the things that are responsible for the 20% reduction in bandwidth? Or is, that, is that something with the protocol? Like, I want to understand sort of how that happens without major, you know, without making major tunes or tweaks to, you know, to the way things are encoded. Yeah. So, uh 
it will take some time to explain how we get to the 20% reduction. So uh, please, please bear with me. So uh, the bandwidth reduction that we see is using the same encoders as what is used in HLS and Dash and is actually enabled by the superior latency performance of HESP. So where do we get to the uh, superior latency performance? Well, we believe that HSP can run at lower client latencies than, it, than what is possible with, for example, uh, low latency dash or HLS. And the reason for this is that the client can switch much quicker from a high bitrate profile to a low bitrate profile in case networking conditions get uh, worse. Since the client, as I explained, can switch uh, profiles at any moment of time and doesn't have to wait for the next segment boundary because of the initialization uh, stream that is available. Since the client can react much quicker to these uh, deteriorating uh, networking conditions, it means that the safety buffer that the client requires to avoid player stalls is smaller than what is typically needed with a low latency dash client. So if you keep the end-to-end -end latency of an HSP workflow the same as an HLS or a dash workflow, it means that you can trade off uh, client latency with encoder latency. So when you assign more of your latency budget to the encoder, and less to the client. It means video encoder can do a better job at encoding the video by looking further into the future and reacting to yeah, unexpected conditions like a scene change. And it can also use more advanced tools, uh, more advanced uh, compression tools. So both of these uh, actions result in a better video quality at the same bitrate or the same video quality at a lower bitrate. Another reason for the bandwidth reduction is that, as I explained, HESP can use much longer video segments than Dash and HLS, and hence it doesn't require as many IDR frames in the live video stream that it generates. So again, this results in a better video quality since IDR frames are very expensive video frames from a coding efficiency point of view. Okay, now am I totally butchering the name? Like I keep calling it HESP, right? And Sammy, you keep saying HESP. <laughs> yeah. Am I doing am I doing bad on the marketing side? <laughs> it's a sensitivity in Dutch. Uh, in Dutch, uh, it's a it, HESP means bacon. So uh, we we. Uh, I love bacon. <laughs> Everyone loves bacon. That's fantastic. No, okay. So, so we I'm, we, I'm, we I'm, say HSP indeed. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll just say HESP going forward. Um, all right, so I know that we had, you know, the ten million, the $1 million question, the $10 million question. I should have said there was a billion-dollar question. You're right. You're right, Bart. We're making a lot of money this call. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and that, that, you know, thanks for that explanation, Sammy. That does help me understand sort of how that bandwidth savings happens through the use of HESP. So that, that's, that's very cool. Um, I think, again, I think that that in and of itself is a good value proposition for, you know, for a streaming provider to want to really look hard at HESP and using HESP. Um, but, okay, I've seen the comparison. Like I said, I was on the website. I've seen the comparison table, right? Okay, so <laughs> the comparison table basically says HESP is the best, HESP is the best choice for everything. Um, now, you know, la uh, latency, bandwidth, scalability, things like that. Now, I you know, I would I would say that too, right? If I was the you know the companies that came together to create this you know specification and eventual standard, I would say it's the best thing uh, you know in the market as well. But I have to ask, what are the downsides, right? I mean, I, I am of the firm belief that when people say something is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. So what you know, where, where does HESP fall down? You know, where are the limitations you guys have seen? You know, what should streaming providers be thinking about? You know, and considering like, hey, that's an issue. Like, I need to overcome that issue before I can really use this. 
Yeah, we indeed uh, believe that HESP scores better on different fronts um, than other ABR streaming protocols. We have already mentioned the latency, uh, bandwidth usage, uh, zapping time. Uh, we also have, as we explained, some some benefits on the ABR switching capabilities. So we already given a number of explanation for that, why we believe uh, that is the case with HESP. The only minor disadvantage that I can think of right now uh, may be that your video encoder has some additional work to do because next to the regular segments, it also has to uh, create this initialization stream. However, since this initialization stream is consisting only of IDR frames, um, IDR frames are not the most CPU intensive video frames to create for a video encoder. So they're pretty simple. You don't have that many uh, macro blocking, macro block modes and, and stuff uh, to take into consideration. So in our opinion, yes, that's a, a minor disadvantage, but the additional overhead on the video encoder is quite limited. So it's, it's not something uh, you cannot work around. No, okay, and that makes sense. So, so, you know, so there are, you know, yes, it 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 does solve a lot of the, you know, again, a lot of the problems. Does a lot of things better, um, but there are some considerations, and I'm sure some providers, as they begin to implement, will probably uncover other issues as well. Um, you know, that are that are sort of in the process of using HESP, and that's and that's okay, right? I would expect that, and and then as a community, you guys would come together and sort of discuss how you know how those get resolved in future versions of the spec or the standard. Um, so, in terms of like, you know, in terms of using this, um, is there a cost? Like, is there a licensing cost? Like, how 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 does that work? Um, yes. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like that pause, though. You were like. Mm, yes. <laughs> Was, yeah, there were many questions at once. I was thinking yeah, which one I'm going to answer first. Um, um, <laughs> um, so I think yeah, the first part of your question is, is uh, does it need to be licensed? So yes, yes, it needs to be licensed. Uh, that's all arranged uh, through the through the HSP Alliance. Uh, that's the go-to-market vehicle for HSP. Um, so HSP Alliance members, they get a, get a license to uh, sell HSP solutions, so packaging and, and playback solutions, because that's where the implementation uh, has to happen. Um, there is a there is a royalty associated to it, uh, but not for all technology vendors. Um, so, for example, packaging is for free. Uh, Non-commercial use is for free. Um, it's only the uh, the commercial playback that is royalty bearing. Um, there's uh, three licensing models uh, for it. Um, which also reflect the use cases. Um, so there's a uh, usage volume model, which is a per hour per viewer model. Um, and if you have, uh, just like for virtual events, if you have various viewers for a short period of time, that's a convenient model. Um, there's a user subscription model, which is per, uh, per year, per viewer, um, which is then interesting for the, the operator use case that we talked before. If you have a playback vendor that has operators as a customer, um, they typically charge uh, their, their viewers as well on a monthly or a yearly basis. Um, so that's uh, there's, there's a match there. Um, later on, and that's in the third model, we also expect um, adoption um, with, uh, with device manufacturers, so uh, mobile phone manufacturers, uh, TV manufacturers, game consoles, who might want to implement uh, HSP into their native players. Um, we also have a per device licensing model for that. Uh, so that's in a nutshell the the licensing models. I don't have the the, the rates handy here, uh, um, but it's uh, uh, I think so. Yes, there is a royalty, but there's also stuff which is royalty free. Um, 
So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Licensing sucks, right? Royalties suck. Um, we've seen that with H.265, right? And that has really held back adoption of H.265. Do you guys see or do you guys fear that licensing and royalty costs might hold back the adoption and deployment of HES? I mean, because to be honest, like most of the deployment is going to be commercial, right? It's going to be the streaming platform operators like a Hulu or a Disney Plus or a Netflix who says like, yeah, we want to use that. Oh, there's a cost. So, I mean, do you think that's going to hold back adoption? So you're right. Uh, like if you look at the industry, there's been successes and that's good successes. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a mix. There's a mix. There's a mixed back in the, in the industry. H two six four, for example, I think it was a success. Um, uh, so, I think we, we do not see um, any reason to hold back adoption from a royalty rate perspective. Um, and the reason for it is the specifically the use cases that we see. So if um, if HSP is a driver for um, operators to move to a converged OTT workflow, that can bring substantial cost savings. If uh, HSP is an alternative to WebRTC for cost-efficient scaling, there will be substantial cost savings. Uh, so yes, there, there is a royalty, um, but there should also be a return on investment um, so that the total cost of ownership when, when using HSP uh, should still be lower than than the alternatives. So that's why we believe, uh, at least at the moment, um, that um, that the royalty should not be holding back adoption. No, and that makes sense, right? TCO is a big, you know, that that is a big calculation that streaming providers will definitely look at as they, you know, as they think about technologies in the stack and return on investment. Like, what what is this going to cost me either way? And can I save money actually in the long run by paying royalties or licensing fees in order to reduce costs uh, with, you know, pretty much with oper op operationalization and delivery on the back end? So, yeah, Donna, I, I see that. Um, it, it'll be interesting. But that, you know, that leads me kind of like to my last question is, you know, right now when I looked at the website last, there's very few sort of, you know, member companies listed as part of the alliance and really sort of, you know, what, what does... What does industry adoption look like right now? You know, uh, how are people reacting to both the technology, which is kind of, kind of what this reason for this podcast was, kind of like, let's talk about the technology and and the business model. Like, what 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 are you seeing right now? Yeah. Um, so first, good good exciting news, I guess. I guess. Um, oh yes. Uh, we uh, we have uh, we have a new member that recently joined HSP Alliance, uh, which is uh, Videon, They're a live streaming video encoder company. Um, you're right. The logo is not on the website yet. That, that's on me. Get that logo on there. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll add that logo soon uh, on the website, um, and we'll, we'll also announce it on socials. Um, so um, uh, we've also had multiple discussions with multiple parties uh, um, over the last months uh, to to, uh, to get their feedback. And, and in general, I have to say, on the technology, the reactions are very positive. Um, many people like HSP, they like the concept of not just lowering the latency, but really bringing high efficiency streaming, getting additional benefits there too, and see it as something innovative. So um, that, that's, uh, that's feedback we're getting um, on the business model. Um, uh, and, and I guess you're referring then to like the, the HSP Alliance and, and how, how we bring yeah, things to the market. Thing yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we actually, uh, the, the reason why we launched HSP Alliance was actually based on um, interactions we had with a number of stakeholders before and asked them like, well, what, what, is, what is important for you when we launch a, a new protocol such as HSP? 
Um, and, and we already translated uh, that into the objectives of the HSP Alliance. Um, and we do see uh, that when we, we talk to people now, they, they, we do see some of those questions coming back, like, uh, is HSP a standard? Um, well, uh, not yet, but it's, it's, one of the, <laughs> it's one of the objectives of the HSP Alliance. Uh, Driving uh, the standardization, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're not a standards development organization. Um, obviously plan uh, to do that through an external standards development organization, but it's, it's one of the objectives. It's plan we plan to, to launch that uh, shortly. Um, so uh, that, that's, uh, that, that should solve that question. Uh, there's other questions like, uh, yeah, can we be involved in, um, in, uh, in the future of the HSP standards? Uh, yeah, sure, there's a technical working group um, okay. where members can work together um, to, uh, to, to solve issues around HSP, um, also to bring in IDs, concepts, even IP, which can be brought in. Um, so those are all um, those are all possibilities, um, and we see those questions get coming back actually. Um, and I do think that um, that uh, the HSP alliance is, is an answer to to those questions that we're getting. Um, so yeah, it's both on the technical side and on, on the business model. I think uh, we're getting uh, we're getting positive feedback. So hopefully, uh, there's more members joining in 2021. No, no, and I, and I would imagine again. I mean, it's you know, as we've all seen these things sort of break out. Even you know, even the SRT alliance right started off a little slowly, and then it picked up momentum, and lots of companies started jumping on. And, and their model's a little different, right? There's no cost, so it's easy to join the SRT alliance. You just say like, "Hey, I want to support that. I want to get involved in that. I'm going to join." Um, and and it, it's interesting to hear you know you guys talking about pushing to. Uh, to a standards definitions organization, you know, an SDO. And there are plenty of those around there, right? You could push to DVB, you could push to VSF, you could push to SIMTI, you could push to, you know, IETF. Um, and IETF might be a perfect home for, you know, for something like HESP to become standardized because there you have, you know, the core of the internet engineering folks who deal with the protocols like HTTP and Quick and, you know, all that stuff, you know, kind of really digging in. Um, you know, I, I do see, you know, just from my perspective, I do see a lot of benefit, you know, to what you guys are doing um, and, and the, the, the HESP, you know, specification as it stands now and the way Sammy's described, you know, on the technical side, you know, this is, there's some really cool things about this that I think warrant, um, you know, like stream providers kind of taking a hard look, right? Let me, let me see how this, you know, how, how can I benefit from this and, and doing the sort of measurement and the experimentation and, you know, running those tests to see, you know, how they benefit. Um, but then there's, you know, there's always the question of the ecosystem, right? In order for players to be able to consume HESP related material or packaged material, they're going to need a, 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 you know, a slight player tweak. And so you've got to have that ecosystem. You've got to have, you know, that available to those players. Um, so you'll have to have those those device manufacturers or those, you know, player companies like Theo make those modifications to their players so that the ecosystem is available for a streaming provider to say like, okay, iOS, the built-in Apple player now supports HESP. I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with this. Um, and that's, you know, that's always a hump you have to get over. And I imagine you will get over it at some point. So, you know, this is, you know, pretty early days. Uh, you know, in the alliance and pretty early days, you know, for the technology. So, yeah, I only see a, a definite, you know, sort of a, a really cool upside to this. Um, Sammy, anything you want to add on the on the sort of technology front that we didn't cover? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we went over the most important aspects of the, uh, of the specification. Uh, yeah. 
think we captured right. uh, most of it, yeah. Good, good, good. And, and again, I, you know, for listeners out there, listen, just, you know, go go to the HESP, the AGSP Alliance website, check it out, read the stuff that they have up there. You know, if, if you're if you're interested, you know, obviously reach out to either the OS Intermedia um, if you've got questions. Uh, I do like to the audience. Quick apologies. <laughs> if at any time you heard a cat, a cat meowing in the background, <laughs> I, I am I am breaking in a kitten uh, and I already have three cats. So uh, breaking in a kitten is a pain in the butt and he's locked in my office because that's his little room to get comfortable in. And uh, for some reason, he just like meows incessantly until I turn around and pay attention to him. So sorry about that. I'm going to try to clip it out. Uh, but if I don't clip it out, you will definitely have heard some meowing in the background. Um, OK, with that said, hey, listen, guys, this is great. Uh, I think. You know, the audience really benefits from understanding more about what you get, you know, what HESP is and what you're doing, um, you know, and some of the technology behind that and some of the business model decisions behind that. All that is, you know, kind of wrapped up in why it's important that we have these kind of discussions. So, you know, maybe there's an opportunity that I can, you know, reach back out to you guys, you know, in, you know, nine or even 12 months and kind of get a... Yeah, get an update. Like, would be excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, let, let's plan on that. And um, until then, you know, I hope you have a wonderful start to your new year, and everything's kicking off and going great. And we'll see both of you guys hopefully at uh, future SVA uh, member meetings. And uh, other, yeah, other than that, uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Same for you, Jason. Yeah. Thank you for having us. I think it was a good conversation, and uh, looking forward to the to the meetings. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.